HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills, and also by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farms raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Learn more at BigGreenEgg.com and SpringerMountainFarms.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are broadcasting live from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival in Charleston, South Carolina. You can catch us on Facebook Live. Also, check out our schedule for the live broadcast at heritageradionetwork.org slash charleston. Here we are. I'm, my name is Katie Mosman-Wadler. I'm the executive director of Heritage Radio Network. My co-host is Kat Johnson, our communications director. Hi, hello, Kat. Hello, Our guest now is Bob Peters, uh, Bob the bartender. He is the <laughs> bartender at the Punch Room in Charlotte. Welcome, Bob. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's just a great honor. Thank you so much. We're so glad you could be on. Uh, can you tell me about just your beginnings as a bartender? What got you into the field? It was, uh, it was kind of by accident. I was, um, I was working uh, busing tables right, um, right when I was probably 21 years old and at a restaurant. <coughs> Excuse me. And I, it was really funny. I was sitting at my favorite bar. It was a little dive bar called the Elizabeth Pub. And it was a place where my brother took me. And I was sitting there, and uh, the owner was talking with uh, one of the employees. And it was just a total dump. It was so dirty and disgusting and awesome. It was really great. And so they, um, they said something about needing a bartender. Uh, and I was just like, I'm sorry to eavesdrop, but uh, can I do it? And uh, they were really, really, really funny. They were like, are you sure you want to do this? I said, absolutely. So that's, that's kind of funny, um, like how I got my start into bartending. And from there, I just kind of fell in love and little by little worked in bigger and busier places and a little bit better from that first dirty hole in the wall. And now all of a sudden, I'm on the 15th floor of the Ritz-Carlton in downtown Charlotte. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. <laughs> um, and are you from Charlotte? I am. I'm actually a native. Uh, I grew up born and raised in Charlotte, which is kind of rare these days. You don't see that a lot. There's a lot of transplants in Charlotte, and uh, I'm actually from there. So I've seen a lot of change. Wow. What, what are some of those changes that you've experienced in the city? Well, the, uh, first and foremost, I mean, obviously the, the culinary scene in Charlotte is absolutely exploding right now. Um, a lot of really wonderful things. Uh, a couple years back, um, we formed a culinary guild, um, the Piedmont Culinary Guild, and that's done a lot for the chefs in Charlotte to sort of get organized and connect really on a very 
human level with all the, sh the um, farmers in the area. So it's, it's, it's been a really great tool to, um, to help with sourcing product and, and a lot of really amazing things. And of course, to, to um, mingle and get to know everybody. And it's, it's also awesome because you can, like, if, if you're missing, like, strawberries, you know, if you run out of strawberries, you can get on, like, the Facebook page and be like, hey, can, can I, is anybody having strawberries? You know, can I borrow a cup of sugar? <laughs> and so somebody will say, yeah, 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 come by the restaurant. I got you. I got 10 pounds you can have. Just give it back, you know, when, when you, whenever you can. And so it's, it's been really great to, to see everything uh, really blossom. And the, the cocktails are pretty darn good, uh, even if I do say so myself. Um, it's, uh, it's been, been a, a long, long road, but there's some amazing places that have opened up and people really care about their craft. And so... It's been a it's been a fascinating to watch. Very cool. So you are extremely prolific uh, when it comes to creating cocktails. Where do you get your inspiration? Uh, that is a great question. It's it's kind of interesting. I've gotten inspiration from almost everywhere, and if you pay attention, then inspiration can come at any time. Uh, and that's that's how I like to sort of walk through life, if you will, is by always trying to pay attention. Yeah. And uh, I've had inspiration come from glassware. Like um, one time I, uh, I saw like this little beautiful milk bottle and I was like, I want to put a drink in that. And so then I thought for a long time, like, what could I do? What would make sense? And so I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. And I wouldn't buy it until I knew what the recipe was. And I thought about it so much <laughs> that, um, that I actually dreamt about it. And so when I woke up, I had the recipe in my head. And, wow. uh, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to buy that, that bottle now and put a drink in it. And it was actually turned out really, really good. It was, it was great. Well, now you have to tell us what the recipe is. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> it was, um, it, it, so I wanted it to have some relevance to a milk bottle, not just like, you know, you put a Jack and Coke in a milk bottle and that's fine, but it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so uh, what I wanted to do is I, uh, have it relate back to milk some way. So I took uh, Cardinal Gin, which is one of my favorite uh, favorite local products. It's a, a gin made in North Carolina, a little town called Kings Mountain, about 40 minutes outside of Charlotte. And so I took some of that and I used um, it was a barrel aged gin. So it's an um, it's aged in an oak barrel, aged in an oak barrel for about a year. And so I took that and infused it with a cocoa caramel sea salt tea. And then uh, put that with some really amazing uh, vanilla ice cream that uh, we made fresh as well as, uh, I think, some chocolate liqueur. So it ended up being like a really adult, beautiful gin milkshake. Chocolate milkshake. Chocolate gin milkshake, yeah, with caramel and salt and... I want it was that. Awesome. It was I good. want that right now. You good. brought it for us, right? It was good. I, 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 give me some gin. I'll make it for <laughs> you right now. Share with the class. That's right. <laughs> uh, and what does that visually look like, that drink inside the bottle? Like heaven. <laughs> like heaven. It was, it was actually it did turn out really beautifully. Um, it was Like I said, it was in a little tiny milk bottle, and uh, sort of the ice cream was sort of popping out of at the top and then I put some homemade brandy cherries on top as well and a big old straw mm. it took me a long time to find the right straw for it which is mm. funny isn't that funny that's weird it's all in the details it is it is <laughs> it's absolutely what's the right straw it was it had to be big enough like a milkshake straw you know you can't okay. have a little skinny straw 
Like, otherwise, you you know, like, if you go to McDonald's and you have a milkshake and you crush <laughs> the straw from your vacuum-packed lips, you know? It's hilarious. Uh, so, I noticed, I've been on your website, you have on there some insane photography of cocktails. They are so beautiful. They're so Thank dramatic. You. I want to know from you, like, where in your process of designing a cocktail does the visual appeal start to come into the design process? And then, um, you know, what are some of your favorite tricks to dress up a drink once you have the recipe? So first, first of all, let me say that, that the photography is amazing because I have an amazing photographer. Uh, his name is Justin Driscoll. He's a very dear friend of mine, and uh, he does um, as much for me as I could possibly ever want from anybody. He's really an amazing guy and a dear friend of mine. He's, uh, we, we, over the years, have sort of developed a relationship and then developed a style together of the photography, and it really matches. I wanted, uh, wanted it to make sense with my personal style, you know, the, the way that the photography looks and the, the, what we put up on, um, like, my Instagram page, which is uh, Bob underscore Peters, by the way, if anybody wants to follow. That's right. Uh, so, um, Bob underscore Peters. Uh, so, in case um, you missed that, that's Bob <laughs> underscore Peters Instagram, on Instagram. IG, IG. <laughs> uh, so, no, he, he's great. Um, and I try to have things, my cocktails and the photography is um, pretty minimalistic. You know, I don't do a lot of dressing. Like, there's not a whole lot of extra stuff typically in the picture because I want the focus to be on the cocktails, which makes sense because it's about the cocktails. Uh, it's not about um, the other stuff. So, that's sort of my approach is just a minimalistic beautiful thing and I think sometimes simplicity is the most beautiful uh, way that you can present things like um, like the, an apple is beautiful because mother nature made it you know you like you don't have to put a bow on it for it to be beautiful mm-hmm. so less is more in my opinion and that's that's probably the easiest way to describe how I think about photography uh, and how to represent like my products very cool. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy interesting. And it's, it's also funny because people, you know, in photography and therefore like social media and that stuff, it's, it's interesting because the final product is the picture. Mm-hmm. It's not the drink, which is super interesting to think about because people can't reach through, you know, the computer and taste your drink. But they, their perception of the drink is how beautiful the, the picture is. So I think it's terribly important on a ton of levels. How often do you have someone come in to order a drink specifically because they saw it on your Instagram? All the time. Every day. All the time. We've, um, that's, it's a great example of how social media ha- uh, works correctly. You know, a lot of times people uh, can use it for the, the powers of bad, you know, mm-hmm. and, and tear people down and do things like that. But I, this, uh, my social media has been a, re- a real blessing and opened up a ton of doors for me uh, and has brought a lot of business into um, the punch room, which is great. That's how it's supposed to work, right? Absolutely. Right. What's the first thing you notice when you walk into someone else's bar? <laughs> um, probably the feeling of the room. That's a great question. Probably the feeling of the room. Like, um, it sounds sort of hippy-skippy, but like, you know, like the energy... You know that you, that you feel uh, in the room is, is, is probably the first thing, and that's kind of um, 
it, it happens very quickly. But then after that, then I look at the booze. The booze. The well, booze. As you're looking for selection, yeah. specialties. You, you can kind of see, sometimes you can kind of see, like, what, uh, what you're getting into by, by, like, what cordials they have. Which sounds funny, but I, I guess it's like, it's like if you're going into a beer bar, beer bar, you can see, like, by the tap handles, you know, you can see how good of a place it's probably going to be just by their, their draft selection. So I can peek on the, the booze side and see probably what they do. Yeah, you said like the energy of the room is what you notice first. Like what like what kind what goes into that do you think? Like if you're designing a bar, what do you think is gonna be the details that gives that impression to someone? I think uh and again I I love sort of minimalistic stuff. Um so I I think it it should be warm and inviting, uh comfortable, but like you know, you don't need a disco ball, you know, like it's it's a little over the top if you're if you're doing a cocktail lounge, you know, you don't need a, a disco ball or you know, is is the music too crazy loud? You know, what kind of music are you playing? I mean, that, that's all those things are really important. But uh, I'm not much of a designer uh, for for that stuff. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> well, what's the vibe at the punch room? What's the the, the, the energy there? The we the, the punch room is an amazing place. It really is beautiful. If you guys, uh, I'll show you guys pictures in a little while. But it is stunning. It's. Um, it's one of the most beautiful rooms I've ever been in, and I'm, I'm not even kidding. And it's not because my boss is sitting over there. Um, <laughs> it's uh, no, it's great. It's it's really beautiful. It's 37 seats. Uh, that's all we seat. Um, and so once we fill up, uh, then you basically start a line. So um, that way, um, we, well, there, there's no standing either. We we ask everybody to to remain seated, which is a little unusual for Charlotte, but it, it works out really well because. We can handle 37 people very well. And, and our goal, of course, is to give you exceptional service and an experience, not just like some cocktails and maybe a bite to eat, but we want to show people like the Ritz-Carlton experience. You know, even if it's just for one drink, you know, we all kind of deserve to be spoiled. You know, so um, it's, it's, it's really wonderful that everybody has a great time. We can handle 37 people, so you get great service. Uh, the food is amazing, Chef. Patrick Cornell is does doing some awesome stuff, and we have some menus, uh, some items on the menu that probably people would revolt if we took off the menu. Like we have duck sliders that take about two days to make, uh, unbelievable stuff. And he's he's wonderful, and we um, we also um, I have I have uh, my right and left hand man is named Larry Suggs, and he's back. The punch room right now, still turning out drinks, holding it down, holding it down, holding it down. Thank you, Larry. Shout out. What's the cocktail pairing for the lamb sliders? The duck sliders, excuse me. Bourbon. Bourbon good. Bourbon good. Now, I, um, I like to, uh, I do like to, to pair bourbon with it. Um, one of my favorite things probably to, to uh, let people um, try with their duck sliders is, I call it a, a Chinar Boulevardier. Ooh. I know. It's, um, it's really boozy. I use bullet tenure bourbon and some Chinar which is an artichoke-based tomorrow from Italy, wow. as well as some uh, really beautiful Italian sweet vermouth. And uh, just stirred it. It's real simple, little orange rind on the side, and um, it's a little slightly bitter, uh, herbaceous, lots and lots of flavor, and uh, lots of bourbon. Wow. Yeah. I'm learning so much from talking with you. The <laughs> thing that I just learned is that I've been definitely pronouncing Chinar terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. Note to our a, listeners, apparently it is not Sinar. Not, uh, not, not exactly. 
Uh, thanks for that. Absolutely. Uh, that sounds so delicious. It's it's not bad. Wow, I'm getting hungry. Why don't you guys come to the punch room? Could we? What are y'all doing after oh, the festival? Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. Just come have a cocktail. I'll yes, make you a we cocktail. We need to extend our trip. I know. We need to add a little detour. <laughs> it's on the way. It's on the way back Thanks up to Brooklyn. Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to change gears for a second because you started like in a divey kind of bar, right? Yeah. So like. I'm assuming you still go and visit places like that. Oh, yes, yes. All the time. Absolutely. I love it. So where do you go in Charlotte? What do you order when you go to a dive bar? Um, I'm... I'm pretty easy, you know. Go figure. Like I, I, I <laughs> there he is. I do. What's up, Blake? I actually, um, I do go to the Thirsty Beaver. There's a really cool dive bar that's uh, on the way from um, the Punch Room to my house, and it's called the Thirsty Beaver. It's this little box, uh, and it's really wonderful. And you can get an incredibly great, super cold, cheap beer and a shot of tequila. And I'm happy as a pig, and you know what? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm super happy with. A shot of tequila and a cold beer. Cheap, cold, <laughs> Paps Blue Ribbon, baby. Wow. PBR. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> Breakfast of champions. Uh, what's on your uh, PBR drinking or otherwise schedule in Charleston? Uh, so uh, later this evening, I'm doing the Nassau Street Side Show, which is going to be a ton of fun. We're expecting about 500 people out there. Wow. So I'm going to make, um, make a popcorn drink. Because it kind of oh. goes with the uh, the sort of sideshow carnival kind of idea. Cool. So yeah, it's going to be bourbon uh, made with uh, some of the Virgil Cane bourbon from down here, as well as I'm going to make a popcorn simple syrup and then a little bit of um, crazy French vermouth sort of thing. That's awesome. It's going to be good. Check I'll make out. you one. I know. Come All on. Right. And then let's see. Saturday, <laughs> Saturday I'm doing a class over at the um, Spectator Hotel with Alan Lancaster. We're doing coffee cocktails so that's going to be a lot of fun too we were just talking about this i am a huge fan of the coffee cocktail oh i love it because it's the i mean irish co- irish coffee is just like that's Absolutely. just the it's a classic. tip of the iceberg but right. there's so much you can do there there is and it's uh it's really cool if you think about it there's there's a couple things throughout the history of the world that have changed the world one of them is tea mm-hmm. and another one is coffee uh, and that's it's 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 crazy to think about that something so little can mean so much throughout the history of the world. But I mean, coffee is it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. It's fun to it's fun to play with. It goes with so many things. Yeah, cheers to that. And we're uh, lucky to be sharing a tent today with Breville on the other side. If you're in Charleston, yeah. please come check out our teepees and grab an espresso. Uh, the smell is kind of wafting over us here. I'm going to have to get it's another cup here in a minute. excited about a coffee Dangerously cocktail. low not yeah. to having a caffeine buzz right now. Yeah. Um, well, we want to give you a chance to give big ups to someone or an organization in your community who's doing great things in the food space. Um, the, the, the Piedmont Culinary Guild, again, is doing some really amazing stuff. Um, I'm trying to think who else. We I just did a charity event uh, on Sunday, Monday, Monday, tu- Tuesday night uh, at Fahrenheit in Charlotte with um, a couple of Charlotte's most amazing chefs, Chef Rocco Whalen, um, Joe Kindred from Kindred Restaurant, who just got a semifinal nod to the James Beard Award for Southeast Chef, as well as Paul Verica from Heritage Restaurant, uh, which is in Waxhaw, and he also got nominated. Uh, and is a semifinalist for the Beard Award. And we did a, a charity dinner all together to benefit uh, the Feed the Children Foundation. And it was really great. It was an, it was an amazing night, and we raised a little under $35,000. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. It was insane. Cool. It was cool. It was very good. It felt, it felt good. Awesome. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Absolutely. Bob, for being with us today. Thank you guys so Thanks, much Bob. for having me. Bob Peters, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Thanks again to our sponsors, Springer Mountain Farms Chicken and Big Green Egg. Thanks, Livestream, for making it possible to air this video today on Facebook. And check out our full schedule, heritageradionetwork.org slash Charleston. We'll be right back after a short break. This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills. In business since 1974, they've transformed ancient cooking vessels into modern-day masterpieces. Today, they sell seven sizes of the egg, as well as hundreds of accessories designed to make your cooking fun, entertaining, and delicious. Often copied, but never equaled, the Big Green Egg is the ultimate cooking experience. Learn more at biggreenegg.com. This episode is also brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second and even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association seal of approval. Learn more at springermountainfarms.com.